Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. I'm recording this in the wee hours of the morning. Got a lot to do. You know, we got the Big Rock Show coming up on Friday. So there's a lot going on. Spent uh, Tuesday going around passing out VIP passes. You know, I probably could have just held those at the door for everybody. But uh, I felt like, you know what, let's put the personal touch on it. So I went and hand-delivered those myself and uh, just got it all handled. And a uh, chance to thank everybody, too. And i uh, got a few sponsors, too, that are out of town that will hold at the door for them. Couldn't quite make all that trip. But, uh, yeah, anyway. And uh, as I told you guys on Monday, we were close to selling out the show. We did sell it out on Monday. And uh, we had uh, a very generous donor step up and, and buy the last, uh, I don't know, 50 tickets or so. And so I'm going to be handing those out at 1 o'clock today at the drill field to students. So every ticket has been purchased, which means that every ticket that was purchased, every dime of that 
purchase. The purchase price of the face value of the ticket goes directly to the initiative. You know, some people bought tickets and had to pay the fee, of course, with Eventbrite. But, uh, so we have raised over $20,000 for the Bulldog Initiative. It's not a big secret. I mean, you can do the math yourself. You can see how many tickets we had to sell, what we were selling them for. And uh, you can do the math. I mean, you're not, you're not idiots. But, uh, but be that as it may, we've got a few more things left to do. We've got some merch to sell, and we're going to ask for some donations at the show. So we, we plan to exceed $25,000. And we think that is uh, it's not an insignificant amount of money. Of course, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a fortune by any means. But uh, it is a good start. Uh, and I want Charlie Winfield to understand that he has a partner in all of this. That it's not all following to him that we can all participate a little bit. And there are a lot of people that uh, have said, you know what, Steve, this is just something affiliated with Mississippi State, so I want to support it. And I thank them for it. But uh, a sellout show, and I want to comment on a couple things too. There's always some wisecrackers on Twitter. You know, I've learned that. No matter what you do, no matter how positive you are, no matter what you're trying to accomplish in life, you're always going to have people that are detractors. Uh, I've had somebody tell me before that uh, if you have enemies, it means you've stood for something at one point in your life. And uh, I have a few. Uh, be that as it may, I've said that a couple times now on the show, <clears throat> I apologize, but um, here's the deal. Uh, we would not have stopped selling tickets on Monday. We sold, I think, 50 or 60 tickets on Sunday, and it's the week of the show. So we had a late push, and then Monday morning got up, and there were a lot of people buying tickets, too. Charlie was sending me basically hourly updates, and we got down to around you know 50 or 60 tickets, and we had a very generous bulldog step up and buy the rest of the tickets and said, hey, I want to donate these to students. Uh, I can't make the show, but I have the ability to participate, and I want to pay their way. So we obviously let him do that. And let me say this as bluntly as I can. I don't care who buys the tickets. The check is the same. It doesn't matter if one person bought every ticket, which they didn't. We had hundreds of people buy tickets. Or if 10,000 people all pulled their savings together and bought tickets. The amount of money going to the Bulldog Initiative is exactly the same, which is the purpose of the show. You know, get the net. In addition to that, why would we ever just give tickets away for free? They weren't purchased when we still have a week before the show. We're selling at such a high rate. And even after I posted the show was sold out, Within 30 minutes, I had a dozen messages or more people like, hey, I didn't get my ticket. Well, I gave you a month. You know, what do you want me to do? There's nothing that I can do, right? <laughs> and so it's important to kind of understand there are a lot of people out there that have these strong opinions about things that are not rooted in fact. They don't know anything about what's going on. They just, you know, they just want to dance. And so I think it's important that you guys know the truth. We, again, we have sold every single ticket. And uh, my hope is that every ticket is used. I'm not naive. I know there will be some people that bought tickets that won't show. And there will be other people that were gifted tickets that won't show either. But the reality of it is, is we have sold all these tickets. We're going to have a great crowd. We're going to have a great show. And uh, I'm proud of the bill. And I have spoken with everybody today. Ryan Purser and I from uh, Foy Stop uh, traded some text messages today, going over some tech stuff with them. Uh, Had some messages exchanged with Lillian Axe. Uh, they're getting hit up from people that wanted to get tickets that waited and thought perhaps they could buy them the day of the show at the venue. Not going to happen. You know, there's not going to be any tickets left to buy. And so it's important to kind of understand that, that there's plenty of demand, but there aren't any tickets. And so if you have tickets, please use them. 
And if you aren't going to use them, ensure, please ensure they get in the hands of somebody that will. Uh, but we're excited. We're going to have a great crowd. We have a great show. And uh, spoke with Craig Carter tonight, uh, you know, the, the drummer of Twist, Wiley Carter's father. His uh, daughter, Chloe, also a student currently at Mississippi State. So everybody's on board. Everybody's ready to go. I'll be getting day sheets together here in the next day or so. Kind of let everybody know when to be here. They'll be here uh, on Friday and plenty of time to set up the, uh, the stage. And it's important to understand, too, this isn't going to be a situation where the bands just take the normal stage at Hobie's. We've got a uh, professional lighting rig coming in tomorrow. And then uh, we'll have the set, and the set is going to be very elaborate. It's not going to be a situation where it's just everybody goes and stands on that regular stage. We're, we're doing a big deal here. Uh, got a video back today. Uh, I wrote and did the voiceover for a video that our friend John Sokoloff from WCBF put together for me. He didn't have to do that, but he helped out. And so we're going to have that kind of, kind of a history lesson about the history of rock music in Mississippi that we'll open the show with, and uh, that's provided, of course, that uh, we can get the projector screen uh, to function for us because, again, it's going to be a very elaborate stage set, and so we got to make sure that everything, you know, the, the show comes first, and so we got to make sure we're doing everything we can to ensure that happens. So for everybody that bought tickets, thank you for that. For those of you that are attending the show, we look forward to seeing you on Friday. I promise you that it'll be a night that you won't forget. It's going to be an outstanding effort by everybody involved. And uh, shared some things tonight with the guys in Lily Dax. They're eager to get here. And I told you guys, too, from the very beginning, that we expected a sellout of this show. I had multiple people that contacted me down the stretch and said, hey, if you get into Wednesday and it isn't sold out, we'll buy out the tickets and we'll donate them to students. So the chances of us not selling out this show are pretty slim. And I believe that there will be a demand for tickets the day of the show. There'll be people that show up at the venues thinking, okay, well, I'll just... I'll give them some money and get in, and that's going to be next to impossible to do. You know, of course, if somebody contacts me late and says, hey, Steve, I can't make it, of course, we'll allow those people to come in. But the reality of it is, is there's not going to be much wiggle room with that at all. As I've shared with you guys, we're going to be in compliance with the fire marshal's guidelines. We're not going to push that issue. We're not going to try to do anything that, uh, you know, would you know, endanger the venue or endanger our spectators. And so we're going to do everything we can uh, – to abide by the law of the land here in Starkville, Mississippi. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Uh, love the folks at Harvey's and the Grill and, of course, Bulldog Burger Company. There's not better places to eat in the city. I encourage you to go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company now with three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas with that great new patio area. Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. And then, of course, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. What a fine location uh, that is. And so I encourage you to go by, check them out, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. You'll be glad you did because they will make you and everybody around you better looking. We all need more of that. Get the great restaurant quality hamburger that you can only find at Bulldog Burger Company. I like the uh, the missions, one of my favorites, the Pimentology Add Bacon is probably my favorite. But I also like the Bryant, like the Lauren. You just hardly can't, you can hardly go wrong there at Bulldog Burger Company. Have that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. It's nice to be able to take dessert with you on the road, right? And maybe if you're looking to eat a little more health conscious, you can get your hamburger on a bed of lettuce. You can get it on a gluten-free bun, or you can get that great BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T.
All right, uh, hopefully I got that dog situation handled. I apologize for that. I had to get up, go down there, and, you know, there's always things that go bump in the night. But nevertheless, hopefully we've got that handled. Let's look at a different brand of dog, the Texas A&M Aggies. We're very familiar with these guys, as you know. <laughs> they, they have been, uh, I guess, a familiar opponent for stakes. They've been in the West, but it's a team that we have had some great success against. I don't know if many in the SEC media realize what a great job State has done against the Texas A&M Aggies since they joined the league. So why don't we educate ourselves and those around us? Uh, because I think there are some people out there that uh, are under the delusion that Texas A&M is a better program than Mississippi State. Well, the way we settle that, of course, is on the field, right? I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, it's not a matter of debate. There's a reason we keep a scoreboard. So Mississippi State, Texas A&M has met, have met, excuse me, on the field 15 times. Mississippi State, an 8-7 and seven record. We lead the series against uh, the fine folks from College Station, Texas. But our first meeting, way back in 1912, in Houston, Texas, they beat us 41-7 which was a ridiculous score by any standards, but certainly back in, in the 1910s. 1913, State gets its first victory, 6 nothing, in 15 in Dallas. We beat them 7 nothing. Didn't play again for 22 seasons. In 1937, over in Tyler, Texas, they beat us 14 nothing. We didn't play again until 2000, the Snow Bowl. And, of course, you know how that one turned out. Mississippi State, 43-41 winners. The next time we play them was 2012. That's kind of the, the coming out party for Johnny Manziel. A lot of people were fans of him. That's the We Believe year, and they came in here and absolutely smashed us 38-13. We absolutely could not stop them. 2013, it was kind of Dak Prescott's coming out party. Dak, uh, a real warrior, and if we'd been able to make a couple special teams tackles, we could have spoiled Johnny Manziel's you know, final game at College Station, Texas. Instead, we lose 51-41. And, of course, this is shortly after Miss Peggy Prescott died and Dak out there being an absolute warrior, got his, his shoulder injured in the ball game, which limited him uh, the next couple of weeks. But State drops that ball game, even though they played admirably on that evening. 2014, State wins 48-31. That's the Kenny Trill game. Dak Prescott absolutely run rough shot over the College Station Aggies. 2015, State loses at College Station, 30-17. You may recall, Eris Williams had a big fumble going in, and then Deronye Wilson had a big fumble in plus territory. We lose that game 30-17. And then while Texas A&M had a good team that year, a lot of these uh, problems we had were kind of self-inflicted. State then goes on a three-season winning streak. 2016, Nick Fitzgerald, the hero that day, 35-28 winners. You may recall that uh, Texas A&M was fourth in the FBS playoff rankings that year, and they come to Starkville State, knocks out their starting quarterback, and then goes on to win 35-28. The margin of this game, the final score of this game, is not truly indicative of how much Mississippi State dominated the game. It really was in the game. However, due to a clip-aided punt return just before the half, Texas A&M kind of snuck back into the game. I submit to you, when you go back and watch that game again, those of you that have a DVR or you go back and watch it on YouTube, whatever, it was not a well-officiated game. And there are a lot of times, too, I don't care what anybody says, 
I think there's some teams that are protected. And it really felt like College Station and Texas A&M maybe had a little bit of preferential treatment in this game, but State simply too good. They could not stop our running game. And I remember, too, there wasn't anybody at that game we expected to get absolutely destroyed. That's the Peter Sermon year. And we went 35-28. Of course, they get the one punt return touchdown. Uh, Christian Kirk with a big ball game for Texas A&M. But State really the better team that day, despite the fact that, you know, State didn't have a whole lot to play for. 2017, we go back down there, Nick Fitzgerald, we go to College Station, Texas. We went 35-14. This is the game when Jamal Peters had the big pick six, uh, 93 yards, I believe it was, stepped in front of a pass as they were going in. Uh, the game was already decided at that point, but that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Huge win uh, for Mississippi State. 2018, of course, State wins 28-13. Kellen Mond, when those guys are driving down, trying to get back into the ball game, throws an interception to Errol Thompson – basically an errant throw. He threw it right to Errol. So State wins three in a row. That one's 28-13. In 2019, Jim Moorhead and the group went down there, and I thought this is the worst that we played the entire year. We get beat 49-30, to but at no point did it feel like we were ever in this ballgame. 2020, Texas A&M was a really good team that year, of course, uh, probably should have made the playoffs. They beat Mississippi State 28-14, one of State's Seven, excuse me, one of State's two touchdowns, Emmanuel Forbes with a pick six there. Uh, State fought hard defensively, just couldn't put together things offensively in that ball game. And then last year, of course, State wins 26-22. That game's well documented. So it's been an interesting series, uh, but State's now won four of the last six against the Texas A&M Aggies. Now, you wouldn't know that by the way people vote. You wouldn't know by, by the way people predict games, but State's won four of the last six, five of the last seven. But nobody will tell you about that. Two, five of the last eight, excuse me. Nobody will mention that to you. But Mississippi State has been the better program since Johnny Manziel left. Pretty crazy to think about, but it is. That's the case. So let's look at the Aggies this year. A lot of high expectations for Texas A&M. I do think they're a good team. I, I don't think they're, they, they've played well at quarterback, and I think that's cost them. Uh, they beat Sam Houston earlier this year, 31 to nothing. And Sam Houston is a good FCS team, but this is an FCS team, right? Guys, it was 17 nothing at the break, and then A&M scores a touchdown in both of the final quarters to put the game away. Anaya Smith with a huge game for Texas A&M, 164 yards uh, receiving. And, uh, of course, he's no longer with the team, out for the year there. Uh, but Haynes King kind of gets it started with a big touchdown pass. They kick a field goal. Haynes King, another big touchdown pass. So two big chunk plays there of over 60 yards there in the first half to provide some separation. They weren't just methodically marching down the field here. In fact, Haynes King throws another big chunk play, a 43-yard touchdown pass to Anaya Smith uh, later in that ballgame. Of course, we're not going to see him as he's done for the year. But, uh, again, 31 and nothing ball game. But it, it was not a game that truly inspired a lot of confidence. Then the next week, Appalachian State goes into Kyle Field and wins the ball game 17-14. Their offense has not played well against Power 5 opponents. Appalachian State is a G5 opponent. It was a 7-7 ball game at the half, 14-14 after three. And then the App State defense shuts A&M out in the fourth quarter in College Station, and then kicks a late field goal to win 17-14. Pretty incredible stuff. And, again, you look at this, 
you know, they're, A&M is having to rely on the big play. You know, the one score they had that kind of kept them in the ball game was in the third quarter. Late in the third quarter, it's a 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown by Devin Achain. And so you begin to look at this and say they scored 14 points, but only seven offensively. This is not a great offense, which is one of the reasons that they decided to make a quarterback change. That came after uh, the win against Miami. But again, even in that ball game, offensively, they weren't great. Absolutely weren't great. So I guess Max Johnson did play some in this ballgame against Miami. But uh, A&M gets out to a 3-0 lead, and it's a 3-3 ball game. And then A&M, a nice run late in the first quarter to take a 10-3 lead. And you kind of felt like it was going to be an ugly game. We even talked about that on the show. A&M good defensively, not good offensively. Uh, Devin Achain with a 25-yard touchdown pass from Max Johnson finally gives them a little separation in the ball game. In the third quarter, late, Miami kicks a field goal to make it 17-6. to It's still a two-score game, but you feel like, you know what, we're, we're a play away from really making it interesting. With 8.32 to go in the fourth quarter, Andres Borgales hits another 34-yard field goal to make it a 17-9 game. So now it's a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter, and then basically the A&M defense just wouldn't allow anything else. But again, you look at this, you know, just not doing much offensively, despite the fact it was a big win. And to kind of put that in perspective, okay, Miami had 27 first downs. Texas A&M had 16, 16 in the game and one. It's crazy. Miami rushed for 175 yards. A&M rushed for just 124. Miami passed for 217. A&M passed for 140 on 10 of 20 passing. 50% completion ratio, and they won the game. Miami outgained them by 150 yards and lost. Again, the A&M defense very good in the red zone. But you start looking at this, and you begin to realize, too, that this is not a prolific offense. And now they've lost one of their biggest weapons. For those of you that didn't watch last weekend's game with Arkansas, it was a great game. It really was. However, as I touched on on Monday, Arkansas had every opportunity to put this game away. Arkansas jumps out to a 14-0 lead. And it, it really felt like that A&M didn't want to be there. They kind of treaded water for a while until some big things happened. They get a touchdown, that's 14-7. And then Arkansas looks to answer back. They're driving down the field, and K.J. Jefferson fumbles at the goal line. But, you know, the bottom line was the game is there to make plays. you got to make plays in a ball game. And they do. It was a stupid play call. Why would you have your quarterback diving from the four-yard line into the pile? That's what happens. A&M knocks it loose. Chappelle picks it up, hands it off to Damani Richardson, who runs at 82 yards for the score. They miss the extra point. And you think that's going to cost them late. It doesn't. In the third quarter, Devin Achain with a nine-yard touchdown run makes it a 20-14 game. And you just kind of felt like, you know what, Arkansas still got an opportunity here, still has a chance. A&M makes a field goal to make it a 23-14 game, so it's a two-score game at this point, heading to the fourth. Arkansas mounts a nice drive. K.J. Jefferson scores. It's 23-21. A&M misses a field goal, and then, of course, Arkansas misses a game-winning field goal. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's a frustrating thing, but the reality of it is you got to make plays to win games. With a minute 30 to go, a 42-yard attempt, that's far from a gimme, but a college kicker should be able to make that. They run, they run the clock out. That's it. So Texas A&M now 3-1, and 1-0 in the Southeastern Conference. You know, looking ahead at their schedule, we, we previewed them earlier in, uh, this year. They get Mississippi State and Starkville. Then they go on the road to Alabama and then to South Carolina. So three consecutive road games. That's awfully interesting, right? They began the year with three straight home games, and they play the Arkansas game in Arlington, Texas, and now three straight road games. So they're going to have to earn it. And if you're South Carolina, even though I think A&M is the better team, if you're South Carolina, you're thinking, you know what, we're the, the third road game in a row coming off Alabama. Who knows what kind of shape these guys are going to be in after facing the Bulldog defense and the Crimson Tide defense. It's a very crucial stretch for them. And then – they get Ole Miss. The good thing for A&M is they do get a bye week before they play South Carolina. But uh, still, it's a long time not to play in front of your home fans. And then they host Florida, travel to Auburn, host UMass, and LSU. So, interesting. We start talking about A&M being an 8-4 team. You look at this schedule, it's kind of what it looks like at best. And hopefully uh, one of those uh, four losses comes this weekend. Let's dig a little deeper into Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. You got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? There have been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. It's been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. Inside uh, the Aggies here and begin to look at some numbers, is a team, they're scoring 21 points a game, only allowing 11.75. And again, they haven't played many prolific offenses, but um, that's still an impressive number. I don't care who you are and where you're from. They were allowed 47 points as a team. First downs is interesting, though. They have 25 rushing first downs. They've allowed 41. Passing, it's even 32 apiece. They have seven penalty first downs, and they've allowed 10. So A&M had just 64 first downs as a team, and they've allowed 83. And again, that's not necessarily an indictment on the defense, but more so on the offense. They can't move the chains. So you look at yards, net yards here. 
They've ran for 515 yards as a team. They've allowed 707. Passing, they've allowed 775. Excuse me, they have amassed 775 and allowed 613. So secondary-wise, playing pretty well. Pretty well. Allowing 153 yards uh, in the air per game. That's going to go up. They've only allowed three passing touchdowns on the year. So it's not like it's going to be a situation where we just line up and go play football. You know, we're going to have to really execute at a high level. Offensively, this is a program, too, that uh, not really maintaining possession. They've only run 212 offensive plays. Their opponent's 287. 322 and a half yards a game. They're allowed in 330. If we don't make that average go up, it's probably going to be a difficult day for us. Offensively, they've scored 11 touchdowns. They've only allowed five. I suspect to beat A&M, you're probably going to have to have some big plays. It's going to be difficult to get packed in the red zone in there. Look at the returns here, too. This is interesting. Kickoff average returns for them, 39.6. Make sure, this, is a, this is one of those games that's really important for whether it's Massimo Biscardi or Ben Rabin to kick the ball out of the end zone. Average return again allowed for them, just 19 yards. They've only allowed one return the entire year. They're putting the ball out of the end zone. Uh, punt return average, they've 338 for them. They're allowing 1.6. Doing a good job covering the kicks on both sides. They've only allowed five returns on punt returns for a total of eight yards. This A&M defense, too, just one interception return for 13 yards. They've had two for 41. Looking at kicking numbers here, the average yards per game on the punt, 44 yards per punt. Opponents, just 42.05. The net average is about the same just because of the fact that um, not a lot of returns for or against. Field goal attempts, they're three of six. Their opponents, just four of eight. We talk about our field goal kicking issues. It looks like it's an epidemic in the, in the, around college football. They're allowing 50, excuse me, they're committing 58.75 penalty yards per game, 27 penalties as a team. They've committed more than their opponents, who are just 22. Time of possession, this has not been a statistic that has favored College Station, Texas A&M Aggies either, the Fighting Aggies. 26 and a half minutes a game. Their opponents, 33.3. So that's a statistic that certainly favors Mississippi State. We want, to ball, we want to control the football. They're having trouble converting third downs. As a team, 17 of 45 on third down conversions, good for 37.78%, allowing 34% themselves. So pretty good on third down defensively. Fourth down conversions, they haven't tried one, but they have allowed six of nine. And that was an issue in the press conference on Monday. They asked Jimbo about it. They asked Chappelle about it. It was, it was a regular conversation. You know, why are we so bad on, on fourth down? A&M has fumbled the football eight times and lost just two of them. Opponents have fumbled nine times, losing just three. A&M has been sacked just six times on the year, and they've only had eight sacks. We talk about pass rushing. It's two a game. Their PATs 10 for 10, opponents 5 for 5. They're not going to give you much, right? Red zone attempts for them, they are 6-for-6 in the red zone as an offense. But they're 7-of-12 defensively in the red zone. Red zone touchdowns for them, 4-of-the-6. 
but three of 12 on defense. And again, this is a defense that plays really well when they're packed into tight spaces. 12 red zone attempts, and they've only allowed three touchdowns. Again, that tells me we need to score from distance. Okay, looking individually, rushing for them, the leading ground gunner is uh, Devin Achain. No surprise there. 65 attempts, 355 net, averaging five and a half yards a carry, three touchdowns, just 88.75 yards a game. How much more will they lean on him now that Anaya Smith is uh, removed from the equation? Max Johnson's played in three games, uh, 21 attempts, a net of 73 yards. He's not a plus runner. He had a big, long run against Arkansas. But by and large, he's a guy that just runs enough to keep you honest. Haynes King's also run the football just a little bit, uh, 14 carries for 52 yards, averaging 3.7. L.J. Johnson, Jr., also has played a little bit too, but um, his carries are still kind of down uh, the depth chart a little bit. Let's look at our uh, <clears throat> passing numbers here. Haynes King has a 152.20 rating. We're not going to see him unless we knock Max Johnson out of the game. Uh, 33 of 51, two interceptions, a completion percentage of 64.7%, 461 yards, three touchdowns, a long of 66, averaging 230 yards a game. Max Johnson, of course, played in three games. Some of that mopping up. But 24 of 45, no picks, 53.33% completion percentage. Now, that, that is a number that I think works well for State. And I think it also perhaps helps State get off the field on third down. It's 314 yards, a couple touchdowns, a long of 32. And, again, this is pretty much a balanced offense. Leading receiver on team, Anaya Smith. I love his game. I hate that he's hurt. I really do. But 15 catches on the year, which leads a team. 291 yards, a couple touchdowns, averaging 72.75 yards per game. Outside of that, it's very much a by-committee approach. Somebody's going to step up for these guys. Evan Stewart, 13 grabs, 141 yards, one touchdown. They've only got five receiving touchdowns, two of those from Smith. Both of those came in the same game. Uh, Yule Keith Brown. Five grabs for 97 yards and a touchdown. You kind of get all the way down the list. Devin Achain, uh, nine catches, 71, and a touchdown. That's it. That's your only scores. Just five touchdown passes in four games. Maybe that's a good matchup for the secondary. You know, we'll see. Look at defensive numbers here. And this defense, again, is outstanding. Antonio Johnson, 38 tackles, leads the team, has uh, one sack on the year and a quarterback hurry. Had a good game against Arkansas. Chris Russell Jr., 29 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. Also has a pass breakup, fumble forced and recovered. Uh, Jordan Gilbert, that's a guy Mississippi State recruited. 25 tackles for him, nothing for a loss. One pick, a couple pass breakups. Edgerin Cooper, a guy that we expected to go to Mississippi State for a long time, and he ultimately picks uh, Texas A&M. 23 tackles on the year for him, two and a half tackles for loss, three breakups, three quarterback hurries. Obviously, they're getting a lot out of the guy. Uh, Damani Richardson, that's a guy that was a hero last weekend against Arkansas. Very active guy. They move him around a lot. They will bring him in pressure. They will drop him in coverage. He has 19 total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two pass breakups, a couple forced fumbles. Guy gets out and does some things. One of my favorite players in the league is Tyreek Chappelle. He's the guy that had the, uh, the fumble recovery of the K.J. Jefferson fumble last week against Arkansas. 
He has 13 tackles, but I tell you, he is a long, lean, Darcel McBath quality cornerback. Leads the team in four pass breakups, also a fumble recovered. Where's number seven? Had a good game against us. I know some of their fans didn't think so. He was the guy that always stood out to me. He was the guy sometimes that grew difficult assignments, but uh, the guy I think is a, is a future pro. You know, we'll see how things go with them. But uh, this is a team, again, defensively it's been very good. Now, they have some guys that have been injured too. Jimbo talked about uh, they've had some problems with snaps. Had a couple on the ground last week and a few of them at their ankles. And uh, they've had some guys banged up, trying to get some guys back. They hope to have some guys back this week. They were unavailable last week. But he said he, they won't know until later in the week. He said they're just kind of operating under the assumption they're not going to be there. Now, one of the better punters in the country is uh, at, at, at A&M, uh, Nick Costantino. 19 punts on the year, 44-yard average, long of 57, six fair caught, eight inside the 20, and three for 50 yards plus. This guy's got a big leg. This guy can flip the field on you, to say the least. Really not much question about it. All right, field goals, uh, Caden Davis, one for three. Randy Bond, two for three. Caden Davis also handles the kickoffs. 18 and 16 of those touchbacks. One of them went out of bounds. And against they've only allowed one return. So the chances of Tulu having a chance to really impact the game are negated in many respects by the fact that Caden Davis is such a prolific kickoff specialist. So that's something to watch. There's been some times in recent games that Tulu's been able to kind of give us the shorter field. We're going to have to put together drives because I think more times than not, we're going to get touchbacks here and we're going to have to drive 75 yards for the score. And against that defense, makes it awfully interesting. Look at the return game for them. Anaya Smith, you know, he's a guy that has done handled all the punt returns. They've got a couple of guys that were that did it in high school and done it maybe in non-conference games in years past. But nobody else has returned punts this year. So whoever they put out there will be attempting to return their first punt of the season. And, of course, Devin Achain handles kick returns. Uh, we need to negate him as best we can. We find a way to put the ball in the end zone. You know, again, five returns, averaging 39.6. And, of course, that's a little bit skewed because one of his five returns was for 95 yards. But that just shows how explosive the guy is. It's important to understand that. Special teams going to be a big part of this game, and you've got to kind of hold serve because they're not going to give you much. They're not going to allow you to get out and return to the football. We're going to have to do the same thing. Leading scorer on the team is Devin Achain. Five touchdowns, uh, 30 points, obviously, leads the team clearly – Anaya Smith was second leading scorer. He's done. Uh, Randy Bond, Randy Bond, excuse me, kicker there with 10. Outside of that, not a lot of scoring. You wouldn't be surprised by that. The fact that a defensive player is uh, tied among position players for third, excuse me, fourth on the team in scoring uh, says an awful lot. But, again, this is going to be a, a team we're going to have to play well. Now, I think this is a game, too, if we're honest with ourselves. If we come out and play Mississippi State football, we have a chance to, uh, you know, stretch the field sideways a little bit and get them chasing us. That's big. Those bubble screens, those tunnel screens, those things have to be effective. We've got to make them defend the entire encompass of the field. We can't just sit back and kind of hope for the best. And last year, we nickel and dime those guys to death. Will Rogers just kind of took what they gave us, and then eventually they would get frustrated, and they would go into man coverage, and then Will would beat them. Makai Polk had a big game, obviously. I believe he was the SEC Player of the Week that week. Big game for him. Uh, nearly set a school record for single receptions in a single game. 
So we'll see how DJ Durkin elects to defense us. A lot of people think, well, he'll do what they did against Ole Miss. And uh, really, I think if, if we're honest with ourselves, and all due respect to DJ Durkin, you know, a lot of the problems last year in the, in the Egg Bowl wasn't their defense. It's what we did or didn't do. And, of course, late in that game, I give them credit, Sam Williams really exerted himself and kind of took over there on some possession downs and uh, really got after Scott Lashley a little bit, and we paid for it. I mean, that's it's good football, right? You, you put a guy like Sam Williams over there. Do they have a guy like Sam Williams? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they do. But when you go back and you look at what State did offensively against Ole Miss last year, and I think sometimes that gets kind of lost in translation. You look at the final score. Uh, State, 31st downs last year, and you start looking, you know, we threw for 336 yards. Matt Corral just 234. We outgained Ole Miss last year. State put up 420 yards of offense in that ball game. And how many touchdown passes did we drop? At least four, right? Three on one drive. So we can't afford to do that. But, again, State outplayed them last year and just didn't get the points at the show for it. And that's the thing, too. We're going to probably play well between the 20s. This game, I think, is ultimately going to be decided on what Mississippi State can do in the red zone. State's been a good red zone team this year. Does that continue against A&M? It was a struggle last year against A&M. It really was. You know, we got down there close. A couple times had to settle for field goals. And, uh, you know, late in that ball game, I thought that the, uh, the officials kind of got on a roll with the Texas A&M crowd. But Will Rogers, a good game last year down at, uh, you know, College Station Field. And look at the numbers here. Will Rogers, 46 of 59 for 408 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. But he was sacked three times. Now, we sacked Calzada three times, too. Should have had him a couple more times. Right, Aaron Brulee? A couple times we missed, and one of them ultimately led to a touchdown. State did not run the football with any real success, just 30 yards as a team, and that includes Will Rogers running for five yards. It's pretty crazy to think about, right? He ran. He was on the plus side, and we still only ran for 30 yards. 17 carries as a team. Now, we didn't run it a whole lot. Dylan Johnson just six for 19. Woody Marks, five for 16. Our long run of the day was Woody Marks for 11 yards. So you back that out, the other four carries for Woody, just five yards combined. We're going to make it happen. Yeah, Makai Polk, 13 grabs last year for 126 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, that, that, that dog will hunt. Now, we've got to be able to negate their pass rush a little bit too. And, again, they're a team that has not been very prolific. They do get in your face a little bit. They've had some guys out, but they have struggled to get quarterbacks on the ground. And so – we're going to have to keep Will upright, and we're going to have to do well in the red zone. I expect State to win the ball game. I think it'll be similar to last year's game. It's probably a game where State finds some rhythm, gets a lead, and then you kind of nurse that lead along, and then your defense will have to make a play late. And I think it's as simple as, uh, you know, it's simpler, easier said than done, but you've got to find a way to kind of, you know, contain Devin Achain. They're going to move him around and get him in matchups that are advantageous to them. You, and when you get a chance to hit him, you got to hit him hard. You got to put him on the ground. That guy's an incredible football player. And the fact that Anaya Smith, who is their leading receiver, is not there, they're going to lean on him a little bit more. They're going to try to find a way to get him out in a pass pattern, paired up against a linebacker, try to find mismatches. And so we've got to be prepared for that. Zach Arnett has his work cut out for him, even though AM is short 
one of their best offensive weapons. You can say, well, Steve, you spent the whole show talking about how bad they are offensively. I think Max Johnson is going to get them going. I don't know if it's this week, but I do think Max Johnson, now that he is the starter, taking a rep with the first team, being prepared, I think you're going to see him take a step here. I do think he is a better player than Haynes King. I, you know, I just hope it doesn't start until next week. But this is a team that is very challenged offensively, and I think State likely needs a defensive touchdown to get some separation in this ballgame. I don't think you're going to get much on the special team side unless you block a punt or something like that. I don't think the return game is going to be uh, you know, a real advantage for State. And I think that's too. When you've got a great punter that can pin you deep and get you good hang time, it, it negates the, the return ability of a guy like you know, Xavier Thomas. And I think that's why it's so important for State to get some pressure on the punter. You can't just let him sit back there and be a machine. you got to go out there and make him be a football player. But I do think State wins. I do think it's an ugly game. But I think State finds a way to win this ball game and improve their record 4-1. and one. All right, time for today's top ten list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend, uh, a friend to everybody in need when it comes to mortgage lending. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back years. Works or Fairway Mortgage recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage loan origination. And here's the thing, too. A lot of people out there want your business. You know, this is not like going and just buying a car battery. This is your home we're talking about. You need to deal with a mortgage professional. That's what you get with Blair Chandler. 21 years of experience in the industry. This guy's seen it all, done it all. He'll be your advocate with underwriting. He'll structure your loan in a way that gives you the best chance to get approved. But he knows the ins and outs of the business. Let me give you his number. It's 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Mention to him you heard about him on the barnyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How cool is that? Again, that's closewithblair.com. All right, today's top 10 list. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been uh, kind of investigating, you know, the rock of uh, the states that we're visiting or we're talking about the home of our opponents. So today it's the Rock of Texas. Now, it's a big state, also got a big sound. A lot of commonality in a lot of the Texas rock too. Now, the more modern rock bands have a little more of an industrial feel to them. This is a nice array here of the quality of rock and roll available in the Lone Star State. Some of them you know, have a little bit of a uh, country vibe to them, too. But by and large, the bands that we're going to talk about today, straight ahead rock and roll. Now, we don't have the Sons of Texas on here, who I like a lot. A couple years ago, they had a single out called Baptized in the Rio Grande. It is great. That album is really solid. If you're looking for a new rock band, kind of in the true vein of rock, Sons of Texas, good group. All right, number 10. You know these guys are from Texas, because they got a Texas-sized lead singer. And the name of their band is the Texas Hippie Coalition. And we're going to go with a great song called Turn It Up. And it's about, um, it's about gentlemen's clubs. Just laying it out there for you. Texas Hippie Coalition, Turn It Up. And the chorus is really, really big. All right, number nine, going back to the 1900s. It's a band that came out. Matter of fact, at one point in my life, I will get a, uh, a tattoo kind of inspired by this band's first album cover. It's the band Dangerous Toys, and we're going with their debut single off their debut album. It's Tease and Pleasing, Run for the Door. Now, on that album, too, they had a song, too, that was kind of catchy called Take Me Drunk, I'm Home. 
Maybe you've heard that expression before. They made a song about it. They had, they had another big hit, too, called Scared. I didn't like the way the song started. Like, there's no intro to it. They just kind of immediately just go right into it. Like, the verse starts right after the opening bars. Uh, but again, Dangerous Toys, kind of an interesting band. The lead singer had uh, Lone Star boots on as part of the metal scene back then. Number eight, one of my favorite modern rock bands. I love these guys. I didn't know they were from Texas until today. But I love their music, and uh, they actually have a new album out. But we're going to go back a couple of albums here. It's a band called Memphis Mayfire. We've talked about them on the show before. Memphis Mayfire, again, actually from the state of Texas. And we're going to go with my favorite Memphis Mayfire song, which is Heavy is the Weight. Heavy is the Weight that I Hold. Great song. It's a song of inspiration, too. All right, number seven. A couple years ago, I named this song My Song of the Year. And if you listen to Sirius XM Octane, you know Katie Babs, who I love. She is fabulous. Absolutely love her. I've interacted with her with social media many times. And um, she's a Canadian. Not that we should hold that against her. But she's married to Tree, who is a bass player in the band Crown of the Empire. And we're going to go with my favorite CTE song. It's not Machines. That's a good one. It's the song Blurry. I absolutely love that song. I love the industrial feel to it. Uh, I, I love the lyrical content in it. Crown the Empire, a great new modern rock band. Now, perhaps one of the best new modern rock bands, are not so new anymore, about to release their fourth album. Love these guys. I've met them. They are actually from New Orleans and San Antonio, Texas. But we call them a Texas band because Johnny is from Texas. If you've ever seen this band play live, you understand they are not part of the old guard in any respect. These guys absolutely bring it. I don't know how Johnny and those guys play at the intensity level they do night in, night out. And everywhere you look on social media, everybody says this is the best show I've ever seen. We talk about there's not a lot of new headliners. I think nothing more is a band that can be. And about four years ago, they released their first major release album, there was a song on there called Ballast, and it's uh, about kind of letting go of the things that hold you down. But on that album, there was a song, too, about addiction and about uh, people that are you know, maybe cross-diagnosed as manic-depressive and addicts. It's a song about his sister, Jenny. That's our number six song today, Nothing More's Jenny. And again, if you don't know Nothing More, check them out. You owe it to yourself. Absolutely owe it to yourself. Check those guys out. All right, number five. This band actually has a Mississippi member in it. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of Mississippi music, not the company, the genre. It's the band King's X, and we're going to go back. We're going to go way back in the catalog, and we're going to play one of my favorites. It's not Over My Head off Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska. It's King's X's King, and it's actually a song about Jesus Christ. Maybe you didn't know that. It is. All right, number four, this band doesn't have any contemporary Christian influences in their band. And uh, many of you know them from the ECW days, right? That may have been your first introduction to the rock band Drowning Pool, but it's had a couple different singers. I love the energy of Drowning Pool. I think their more recent catalog is the better catalog. We didn't go with the song Bodies, even though everybody knows that that would have been easy to do. But I elected to kind of unturn you on to something else. If you like bodies, I think you'll like this. And this is actually a little more refined in many respects. It's a song called Feel Like I Do. Love the bass line in it. There's a nice little breakdown in it. Love the vocal arrangement in this one. 
drowning pools feel like I do your number four song on today's top ten list. Number three. Now, the final three bands are classic bands. Now, you may disagree with me, and I know that people are going to say, but Steve, you didn't mention so-and-so, you didn't mention so-and-so. It's my list, okay? Number three, I didn't have Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble on here, okay? But I do have Stevie Ray Vaughan's brother, Jimmy Vaughan, and his band, The Fabulous Thunderbirds. It's a great video. The song isn't long enough. That's one thing that I'll say. I love the song. I love I love Jimmy's uh, guitar in this one. He's got that Fender Strat really working for him. It's the song Wrap It Up. The video is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that came out, of course, when I was in high school. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I should date older chicks, too. Maybe that's the move. Wrap It Up. Outstanding track. And, and again, I love the guitar on it. Number two, we couldn't do a Texas rock list without mentioning the band Pantera. Of course, the Abbott Brothers, God rest their soul, Dime, Vinnie Paul, both gone now. And, uh, of course, many of you know Dimebag Darrell was shot on stage when he was performing with Damage Plan. I, I could have easily put Hell Yeah, Damage Plan, and Pantera on the list, but uh, those are all Vinnie Paul bands, and I wanted to kind of get more bands on there. But um, uh, the band Hell Yeah, that's uh, you know, Chad from Mudvayne is the singer, my favorite song from them is uh, Sangre por Sangre. Love that one. I do. A lot to that one. But uh, Pantera, really a band that was very revolutionary when they came out. Music, in many respects, was changing. And unlike the grunge movement, this was meaningful change that was lasting. And there are so many bands today that owe a lineage and a tribute to the great band Pantera. And so we're going to go back again. We're not going all the way back to the beginning. We're going to go back to the beginning of the Phil, An- Phil Anselmo years. We're going to go with Cemetery Gates in honor of Halloween. It's a great tune. The guitar on that is remarkable. It's not my favorite Pantera song, but it's up there. This is the song that kind of got me into Pantera. I was in a band at the time. Uh, Billy Davis and Eric Carter, both of those guys were huge Pantera fans. I was somewhat reluctant. I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the screaming. I was a big fan of Dimebag Daryl. But uh, Pantera, it took a while, but they grew on me. A legendary band. And it's one of those things, too, you know, sometimes when people die, like band, you, you kind of like have these feelings of nostalgia and you create this illusion in your head that they were better than they really were, which has happened. I'm not going to name the names. You know them. There's some bands, it's like they were pretty average and kind of a flash in the pan and somebody dies. And you're like, oh, they were great. And they really weren't. Pantera was amazing. All right, number one, and you couldn't do a Texas rock list. What, who else could you have at number one, man? It's got to be Glass Tiger. No, it's not Glass Tiger. <laughs> it's not. It's ZZ Top, that Texas sound. And uh, I can't tell you my favorite ZZ Top song because it changes. I could have gone with Tush here. Could have gone with Rough Boy here. So many things I think about. Under Pressure, that's another one. Could have gone with LaGrange. But I'm going with Sharp Dress Man. That was a song, too, off the Eliminator album that really kind of thrust ZZ Top out of the dust bowl of Texas into our living rooms, thanks to the courtesy of MTV. ZZ Top really had, a, had two careers, really. And I think the Eliminator album made them superstars. They went from being like a musician's band to being a mainstream band, but they remained true to themselves. The absolute legendary ZZ Top, the top Texas rock band of all time. 
If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. Reach out to Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And also congratulations to our buddy Roy and uh, got another job. You know, you remember his job was ending. His company was closing. And uh, Roy was very selective. You know, he didn't want to leave, uh, you know, what he was, had done his entire career and then, you know, go sell vacuum cleaners or something. No disrespect to those vacuum cleaner salespeople that may listen to the show. But Roy was able to find a job in his field, doing what he wants, reasonably close to home. And so congratulations, Roy. We're awfully proud of you. I know a lot of people, Barnyard listeners, I had many people hit me up and say, hey, is Steve, has Roy found a job yet? Which is really cool. Because we are we're a family here, and Roy gets paid nothing for that. The benefits package to be the Boneyard Music Guy is tremendous. But there is no money involved. He does this because he loves the show. He loves music. And he was, like, putting these playlists together himself and was enjoying them and said, you know what, let's share them with the listeners of our show. So here we are. So Roy, uh, kind of the Robin to my Batman on the show. Congratulations, buddy. Really proud for you and your family. And, of course, Roy's not getting any younger. You know, it's difficult when you get to be guys like us and you're, you're from the 1900s and uh, you got to change lanes midstream late in life. And a lot of times people want to go hire the newer, younger, you know, fresher, more newly educated person to fill your job. So I get it. I understand it. But uh, Roy, a fabulous person, man, a guy that I consider a friend, very happy for him and very appreciative of his contributions uh, to the Boneyard. Hope you guys are as well. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Bookmart. I was there today drop out to uh, drop off a pair of VIP passes to Miss Kathy Brown due to their sponsorship of uh, Rock Vegas. So they're helping bring that great show, partnering with us to help raise money for the NIL initiative, for the Bulldog Initiative. Uh, encourage you to go by and patronize Campus Bookmart because they're committed to Mississippi State. It's not just a job for them, it's a passion. Serving a great fan base for many, many years. Go by and see their smiling faces, a lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, of course. So many great people there doing a great job. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk a little bit about the state of state. Let's start with an, a bit of an injury report. There's really not one to speak of. Uh, everybody that played last week is expected to play this week. We do hear that Woody Marks will, uh, will play this week. He could have played last week if needed. However... We felt like we could beat Bowling Green without him, so we didn't play. But uh, do expect him to play this week, and that's going to be big for us. We needed him healthy for Texas A&M, and probably the only thing that was going to help was rest. He's taken a couple of shots there to the ankle. Uh, you know he had a high ankle sprain earlier this year. That was never officially released, but uh, if you watched the play, you kind of saw it yourself. He came back and played through it. But having him healthy for this stretch of games we're about to have is more important than him playing against Bowling Green. So we do expect him to play. A lot of people keep asking for an update on Jaden Crumberton. I'll be honest with you, one of our posters on jeanspage.com kind of nailed this from the beginning. I don't know the gentleman's first name, and I wouldn't out him if I did. Uh, but BHamDog54, I believe, is his uh, handle on Jeans Page. He had it right from the very beginning that uh, Jaden Crumberton was going to miss some significant time. We don't expect him back this week. Now, that said, 
Jaden Cromedy is in the, the smaller cast now. He had the long cast. He's in a shorter cast now, so clearly he is improving. The concern's going to be, you know, the strength, the level of strength he has in that arm once he is full go again. But uh, we don't expect him back this week. Still no official word on John Lewis. We don't. We rarely ever talk about him. And, uh, you know, Mike Leach doesn't talk about injuries ever. But we had, you know, John Lewis was in uniform uh, last week. So it appears that, uh, you know, his return is imminent. When we saw him get injured in practice, I'll be honest with you, I felt that it was probably more serious than it turned out to be. Again, no actual diagnosis out there. But the reality of it is, is that he is expected to play. And we need him to get reps to get him better and get him ready for next year because, you know, State could potentially lose some linebackers. Now, Paul Jones reporting that he's spoken to Jet Johnson. Jet plans to come back next year too. Jet, of course, a COVID year still available to him. Not sure what's going to happen with Buki Watson. Does Buki go pro this year? Not, not exactly sure. I, I don't think based on the first four games of this year that Buki's put enough on tape to come out to, uh, you know, to earn a draft pick. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, my hope is we don't need him to be like Earl Thompson. We need him to come back and, uh, and play, not selfishly, but also we want our guys to get the most out of their opportunities. So I'd like to see him come back. But outside of that, you know, State appears to be in good health. Appears to be in good health. And uh, we spoke today with Colin Duncan uh, for Media Relations, our Media Relations Opportunity. And you can find that Q&A session over at uh, jeanspage.com. Be sure and go check that out. Uh, but Colin said, you know, last week was about playing fast, and they have a lot of respect for, for Texas A&M. They understand these guys have playmakers, and nobody's letting their guard down because Anaya Smith's not there. They understand this is an explosive offense when they get the ball in the hands of the right people. So nobody's just going to show up and go through the motions. You expect a big crowd. That's one thing I think is important, too. We need a big crowd. It's a 3 o'clock game, so many people can drive up, make it a day trip, come up, go to the game, and get home. Other people will say, you know what, Steve, I enjoy spending my weekends in Starkville. I'm going to be there Friday night to rock with you at Hobie's and see Lillian Axe play, right? And then we're going to stay and uh, we're going to tailgate. We're going to watch a game. We're going to go back to our tailgate. We're going to spend the whole weekend in Starkville. We appreciate that. Our local vendors appreciate that. But it should be a game that we can get a lot of people there for. Now, I would prefer a night game, and, and that's the thing when I look at our schedule. It's one of the things that irritates me. You know, we, we've had a good schedule, and you think in many respects that um, we would get some night football. We got night football early in the year. That's always been the concern is, you know, you, you, when you play early in, in the heat of the day. That Memphis game, of course, was a night game. Ended up being a really late night game. And we played on the road at Arizona in another night game. Proved to be a really late night game. And you had an evening kick at LSU at 5 o'clock. Bowling Green, of course, was a day kick. Well, now we're at 3 o'clock this week. And then 11, 11 a.m. next week, which I think is an absolute joke. We don't know what Kentucky's going to be yet, but, of course, that's on the road. Alabama also on the road. Auburn, and by the time we get to Auburn – who knows what kind of shape Auburn's going to be, and I suspect that could be a day game. Probably our best chance for night football the rest of the year in Starkville is Georgia. And I think that's because ESPN may want to put them in prime time. And so I don't think we're going to see a lot of night football. East Tennessee State, you know, of course, a couple of years ago, we played Abilene Christian at night, but that's probably a day kick. You know, I haven't looked at the schedule, and maybe we should. Let's do it right now. 
look at that SEC schedule for the 19th. You know, it's just it's it's ridiculous to think about this. And I don't understand. I understand TV has to play a part in all this. But we don't get enough night football at Starville. We don't. And you look at, you know, Ole Miss and Kentucky having to play at 11 o'clock. That doesn't make a lot of sense either. I just don't – I don't fully understand what's happening with the schedule sometimes. I, I just – I don't get it. I don't like it. I like day football in the winter. I don't like it as much in August or September. But when you look at that, uh, that, that schedule for Week 12, when State plays East Tennessee State, that's going to be an SEC Network Plus game, which just reeks – of an 11 or 3 o'clock start. You got Georgia at Kentucky, Tennessee at South Carolina, Ole Miss at Arkansas, Florida at Vanderbilt, and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of non-conference games too. UMass at A&M, New Mexico State at Missouri, UAB at LSU, Western Kentucky at Auburn, Austin Peay at Alabama. And so you look at that and you begin to think, okay, well, maybe we do get a night game. But the reality of it is, is there are a lot of games here between teams that are going to be really playing for something significant that I think will force us to have, you know, a bad kick. And, um, you know, it's disappointing. As much as I love going to football games, I like it when we have the whole day to be in Starkville, right? You start looking at that out. Let's let's look at this um, couple other schedules here real quick before we get to um, our final segment of the show. You know, of course, we always have that stupid third Saturday in October. That, of course, that'll be, you know, the Kentucky game. But there's not it's, – it's, it's basically an all-conference weekend with one exception. You get Vanderbilt at Georgia. To me, that just screams an 11 a.m. kick. Alabama at Tennessee, that'll probably be your CBS game. State is at Kentucky. Auburn is at Ole Miss. Arkansas and BYU. And then LSU at Florida. Maybe – Maybe we get a night game there. You know, I just hope it's not an 11 a.m. kick. But when you look at all these, you begin to think somebody's got to be at 11. Somebody has to be. Don't know if it's us or not. But um, we'd like a night game, even, even though it's on the road. Week 8, that's a week we play Alabama. It's a, it's a limited schedule that week. Again, State's at Alabama. UT Martin's at Tennessee. That's your 11 a.m. game. has to be. It's Ole Miss at LSU, A&M at South Carolina, Vanderbilt at Missouri. Nobody's going to watch Vanderbilt at Missouri outside of their fans, and I think some of their fans may have checked out by that point. So maybe there's a good chance that we get a later game too because you look at it and say, okay, well, what's, what's your CBS game? What's your 2.30 kick, right? What, you know, what's your middle of the afternoon game? Could it be Ole Miss, LSU? Yeah, LSU should be trending forward. Ole Miss may be beginning to start their crest a little bit. But that could be there, too. So maybe that's a night game, too. But, again, that's, that's away from Starkville. But you start running through these games and running through these weeks, and you realize that, you know, the state matchup, unless we win some games that are pretty significant, we're not going to be in prime time. You look at week 10 here. That's the Auburn week for us. Running through these games here. You got Tennessee at Georgia. That's a prime pick of a game, right? Could be a top 10 matchup. Alabama's at LSU, and that's been one of the most watched games in the Southeastern Conference over the course of the last few years. Kentucky's at Missouri. That's a dog of a game. Uh, Florida is at A&M. That could be a decent game. Liberty is at Arkansas. To me, that just screams 11 a.m. Auburn's at State, of course, and then South Carolina's at Vanderbilt. And, again, nobody's going to tune in to watch that. You know, to me, that South Carolina-Vanderbilt game just looks like a 3 o'clock start on the network. 
So maybe we have a chance for a night game against Auburn. Maybe. Maybe. We'll have to figure it all out. But um, I'm just concerned because, I, you know, it's like I think about my friends that run businesses here and restaurants and hotels and things like that, and, and you want those folks to have an opportunity to kind of cash in on these ballgame weekends. And, of course, our friends at Campus Bookmark and Bulldog Burger Company, you know, they're very reliant on these ballgame weekends. And so it's better when you guys are here for a couple of days because you gotta, you got to have somewhere to sleep, you got to have somewhere to eat. But when you run through that schedule, you begin to realize, too, that uh, the opportunities for us are just not very plentiful to have night games. You know, and, again, it always depends on what the other games are available that weekend. Non-conference games, more times than not, go earlier in the day. But you look at the Arkansas-BYU game and you begin to realize that could be a top-20 matchup. It could be a lot of people watching that game. But outside of that, there's not a lot of great non-conference games the rest of the way. So I think it's important to kind of understand – our place in the pecking order right now when it comes to TV. And even though the fact, I mean, state, let's say state, let, if state wins the next three, now all of a sudden you're six and one, people are paying attention to you, you're more likely to get the night game. So we got to take care of business. We want night football. But again, I think maybe Auburn and Georgia may be our best opportunities to get night games. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. I love Portico. You guys would too. If I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico. There's no question about it. Brooks Bryan, our friend, your friend, a friend of Mississippi State, a friend of Starkville, part of a great residential group bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Your new neighbors are already enjoying the high life over there. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. And say, so, you know what, Brooks, we're just starting to think about this. Like some information. Phase one's completely sold out. Again, your new neighbor's already enjoying the high life, right? Phase two under construction now. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Very easy to find, too. And, of course, it's 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You turn off 82 on a 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go to the four-way stop. There's Portico on your right. Go by and check it out yourself. You don't need the guided tour. You can go yourself. And you can see what a great neighborhood it is. I would love the convenience of campus to be that close. And, of course, again, you're just kind of tucked away there in the neighborhood, you know, so you're not right there on the 82, so you don't have to worry so much about your dogs getting loose and that sort of stuff. But uh, I encourage you, if you're thinking about getting a place here in Starkville, think Portico first. Make Portico your next move. Okay, if you're going to be in town this weekend, too, there has been some confusion. So let me clear it up. I went directly to Chris Monas myself. Mississippi State baseball playing against Troy, 11 a.m. Saturday. 11 a.m. Saturday. So you can go over and watch some baseball and then mosey on over for that 3 p.m. kick. If you're not a tailgating person and you want to get the double dip, you can see baseball in the morning and then football in the afternoon. That's 11 a.m. And I suspect the gates will open at 10. I don't know that for sure. But it's important to kind of understand, too, when you're in town – and you want to see some baseball. Maybe many of you have not been able to go. And, of course, they try to schedule these where the players can kind of get the games over and go enjoy being a college student too. But baseball's going pretty well. Mike Neiman's been keeping up with that for us. You know, of course, the first scrimmage was only available to, uh, you know, uh, dugout club members. But um, we've been there ever since. And Mike tells me, of the newcomers, the guy that truly stood out to him is Dakota Jordan. Dakota Jordan's done a good job. 
And a lot of people are talking about that. A lot of people are talking about, you know, Dakota Jordan possibly playing some this year. We touched on that earlier, but, um, you know, he's a guy that's done a good job for us. And uh, let me let me pull up some notes here. Uh, Mike Nemeth uh, from uh, a couple days ago had a scrimmage report for us. David Mershon, one of our freshmen, two for three in the ballgame. Luke Hancock, two for six, had a couple of rubies too. Uh, Dakota Jordan is one for four in this game. Nate Chester, a guy that we're expecting to be a utility guy, a tough day at the plate, 0 for 6. Connor Hyzak, one for six. Will Hold, the fourth, one for five. Ryan Williams, uh, one for five. Bradley Lofton went three innings, allowed one hit, one run, three Ks, one walk. Jerron Jalosagenti, three innings pitch, three hits, two walks, one K. Uh, no earned runs allowed. Casey Hunt had a tough day, two innings pitch, four hits, four runs, three walks, two Ks. And Tyler Davis from uh, VCU, two innings pitch, one hit, three runs, three walks, and uh, two Ks. Uh, now look at the black team. Amani Larry, 0 for 2 in the ballgame. Uh, Colton Ledbetter, uh, 0 for 5, scored a couple runs. Slate offered uh, 4 for 7. I don't know how they, you get 7 ABs there, but maybe, um, I, don't, I, I wasn't there. Uh, Ross Highfield, 1 for 3. Lane Forsythe, 0 for 5. Bryce Chance, 3 for 5. Jay Murdoch, 1 for 5. Hollis Porter, uh, 1 for 4. Look at the pitching side of things. Uh, Colby Holcomb, a tough day with control. Three innings pitch, three hits, two runs, six walks, two Ks. Walked himself in some trouble, pitched his way out of it. Logan Forsythe, one of our highly heralded freshmen coming in. Two innings pitch, just two hits, no runs, no walks, three Ks. You'll take that stat line all day. Uh, Pico Kahn, uh, three innings pitch, three hits, three runs, two doubles, excuse me, two ribbies. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting tired. Two walks, two Ks. Uh, Graham Yedma. I apologize to Graham if I mispronounced that. Two innings pitched, no hits, no runs, two walks, uh, no Ks. But uh, interesting type stuff here. And, again, you can't take a lot in the fall. And one of the reasons that I say that is because, like, especially from a pitching standpoint, right now is when you're experimenting, right? This is when you do it. And you, and you, you, you experiment some in the Cape, and now you've come back and you show Scott Fox all that, hey, I can throw this pitch or I can throw from this arm slot. So you work on, like, fine-tuning some things. You know, this is when guys add a change-up. This is when guys modify their grip on their breaking ball. And so you just can't read a lot into that. Uh, but I think it's important to understand that we've got some guys that can swing the bat. We're a little bit beat up right now, but we'll be fine when the season gets here. But, um, you know, that's one thing I think is important to understand, too, is uh, when you've got guys that are proven performers and you have some guys get a little bit beat up, uh, you can have some other guys get those reps, and that just makes them better. They're going to be facing better pitching in the fall that they've seen perhaps in their lives. And so that gets them ready uh, for the season. And so, again, if you're in town, come by and check that out. You'd be glad you did. I think that's a big part of things, too, when we think about, you know, Mississippi State baseball. It's almost like it's on a back burner right now, and I think that's where Chris Lamonis wants it. It's like, you know what, hey, you guys enjoy football. Let me get to work with our guys over here. We'll see you guys in February. I, I like our team. I like what I'm hearing I like what Mike Nemus had to say. And, again, Mike is a guy, too, that played college baseball at Miami of Ohio. So he's not just, uh, you know, he's not just some dude. This is a guy that's done it and, of course, been around athletics his entire life. And more times than not, I have found that Mike Nemus' critiques from fall have carried over to the season, with rare exception. Uh, He was the guy that did think Brandon Pimentel would be a good player for us. That didn't really work out. That's the only time – that's the only miss I can really think of. 
uh, since Mike's been working with us. And, of course, Brandon had, had a nice year last year at that, with Texas Rio Grande. Uh, but, again, it's a different level of baseball. It's a guy that just could not hit the SEC breaking ball. But, you know, you get a chance to see the Bulldogs in person this weekend, and I would encourage you to get out and go do that because I think many of you need to see these guys in action to kind of feel better about our season. And, and you know, I, I'm eager to see what people, uh, you know, vote us or whatever. But, uh, you know, what they vote and what really happens sometimes is kind of few and far between. I expect this team to be much better. I think you guys do as well. And I don't need pitchers to go out and dominate in the fall. I need them to be able to handle things uh, there in the spring. I heard from Jake Mangum earlier this week. Uh, Jake's final game of the season is uh, on Wednesday. And then he's going to be moving back to Starkville. Loves it in Starkville. uh, Great place to train. He can stay healthy. He can kind of get his workouts in. Of course, you got a full run of the facilities here. And so, he, and of course, he can come up here and uh, and be treated like a king. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. But uh, trying to get Jake to come out and rock with us Friday night. Of course, he'll be uh, making the drive back. Probably going to take a couple days to get back from Syracuse. But uh, he'll drive back uh, Wednesday and, of course, on Thursday. And hopefully he feels up to come to the show. And, uh, of course, Jake Mangum's, uh, you know, that's a VIP pass if there was one, right? I don't think anybody would mind either. Uh, he joked with me and he goes, hey, Let's you and I do a karaoke song, and we'll do Nickelback. If I was going to sing Nickelback with anybody, it would be Jake Mangum. And I, and I don't know what song I'd pick. Maybe uh, Follow You Home or something. But uh, Jake headed back. And uh, I, I'm, I think if Jake had not got banged up this year and had the back injury, I think Jake would have got the call this year because Jake was absolutely murdering the baseball there in AAA. And it seemed like he was just days away from getting the call and he ends up getting injured. And, uh, you know, Jordan Westberg is a guy, too, that's had a tremendous season. And he's, you know, sitting there, him and Justin Foskey both, it just seems like they're a phone call away from making something happen. You know, it's like you would, I really thought we would see some of those guys make their major league debut here in the month of September. That has not happened. But I think you're going to see some of these guys go to spring training next year and ultimately make the roster. Now, you look at uh, Connor Pilkington, too. He's a guy, too, that uh, kind of bounced around, bounced around, and now he's found a home there with the Guardians or the Gagachuans, as uh, Mike Nemeth calls them. But uh, now a chance to go play in the postseason. Uh, and, and good for Connor Pilk. Pilk is a great guy, man. And that's a guy, too. I don't know that he gets enough credit. Connor Pilkington's a guy, too, that, uh, you know, you remember back in 16, he emerged as our Sunday starter for a while. Had some tough luck at LSU. You know, we dropped a little bit of a pop-up there, and then you know, the wheels kind of came off for us. But, uh, you know, I thought LSU did a good job against him, you know, his junior year because he was a guy that struggled at times to finish hitters. And so he couldn't work deeper in the ball games, And, you know, bullpen wasn't always what it needed to be for us. But uh, we always knew Pilk had the stuff. It was just a matter of, uh, of him kind of harnessing it. So, you know, a lot of guys out there really on the cusp – of maybe doing something really major in the major leagues. That's the thing I think about, too. Like, we talk about the Ron Polk Ring of Honor, and, you know, I'm, I'm such a fan of that. And I'm also, too, a fan of a lot of our older players that probably need to go in sooner rather than later. Because John Cohen, contrary to popular belief, <laughs> recruited exceptionally well when he was your head baseball coach here and put a lot of guys in the big leagues, you know, Jack Kruger, Nathaniel O, many others. And so – when those guys ultimately leave pro baseball and become eligible for the Ron Polk Ring of Honor, well, they're going to go in. And so 
we've got to make sure that we get some of these older guys in. And I have uh, I, I've stood on that stump before on this show and talked about that. But we're about to have a run here in the next 10 years or so of a lot of kind of modern-day players go into that Ron Polk ring of honor, and rightfully so. And, and if you begin to look at how many guys we have in pro baseball now, it is perhaps the greatest number in the history of our program. And if you don't think that bodes well in recruiting, you're kidding yourself. So you know what? You come to Mississippi State, you work hard, you got a chance to play for championships, we'll put you in pro baseball. And every time that I see guys like Connor Pilkington kind of stick with it, and it's kind of an exercise in persistence, and now here he is. He's put in the work, and now here he is having a chance to go play with the right to go to be in the college, to be in the, the big league World Series. You know, Ethan Small, of course, that's a guy that's been up too. You know, and so you begin to look at these guys, and you begin to realize you've got some guys that had some tremendous college accolades that are now doing it on the pro level that are going to deserve to go in that Ring of Honor. And I, I think if we did the math on that, maybe I will. You here during the holidays, begin to look at the guys that, um, you know, we've had from the last 10, 15 years that are going to be legends. And in re- many respects, maybe they already are, and maybe it's not truly recognized. I mean, you know, Jake Mangum, of course, a, a living legend, right? You know, J- Jake goes into the Ring of Honor his first year of eligibility. I think we'd all agree with that. The same thing for Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan. I don't think either one of those guys will have perhaps the same pro career Jake does. Uh, maybe T.A. does. But I think, you know, those are guys, too, that because of what they accomplished in their careers, never ending a season anywhere other than Omaha, Nebraska, during their career at Mississippi State, and then winning an AFL championship, those guys are going in. And they deserve to go in. And so when you start thinking about these classes, you know, and I, I, I've told many people on that committee, you know, putting one legacy guy in a year is probably not going to be enough. We probably need to do a specialized class, probably need to do two classes in a year. And maybe we don't do the big ceremony. I, I think maybe perhaps what we do, you know, I think maybe there's a half dozen guys, you know, guys like Buddy Meyer and guys like Willie Mitchell that absolutely have to be in there. Bill Jennings is another one that nobody talks about. He was the founder of Mississippi State Baseball. Did you know that? You know, Bill Jennings' name is nowhere in association with our baseball stadium, and his name is not written anywhere of significance. And he is the guy that founded Mississippi State Baseball. He was believed to be the first pitcher in Southern baseball that could throw a breaking ball for a strike. People came from miles around to see it, almost like he was some kind of sorcerer because he could throw a breaking ball for a strike. And the guy founded our baseball program. He deserves to be recognized for that. And so I think we do a specialized class. Maybe we do half a dozen, maybe even seven guys. And maybe we don't do the big ceremony because these guys are deceased, right? And maybe we don't have to have all this pomp and circumstance. But I think maybe what we do is we put them in, and then one weekend during the season we recognize that player. And then maybe somebody from their family is there and they, you know, they pull back the, uh, you know, the, the covering to show their name and trying to just do it one weekend. Like one weekend is Buddy Meyer weekend. Because how many of you guys know who Buddy Meyer is? I mean, honestly, do you know who Buddy Meyer was? Do you know how significant he was as a, as a pro baseball player? Buddy Meyer was so good out of Ellisville, Mississippi, 
And of course, this is before there was a collecting bargain agreement. There was NCAA amateur certification, that sort of stuff. Buddy Meyer signed a pro contract out of high school, and he was so good, the Washington Senators let him come play baseball in college. Think about that for a second. He was under contract with a pro franchise and playing for us. It's amazing to think about how significant he was. He was a two-time All-Star. He was American League batting champion. He was American League stolen base champion. And uh, looking at his years of service here, and we, we start adding up all the numbers here, right? This guy played pro baseball from 1925 to 1941. I'll let you do the math on that. If memory serves me correct, the only Mississippi State baseball alum who played more pro baseball is Rafael Palmero. Let that sink in for a second. And a lot of our fans don't even know who Buddy Meyer is. And I think that's part of my job is to keep these legacy of these players alive until they are enshrined and then all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a, a, a bigger deal in many respects. I think people say, you know what, hey, this guy was our dude. And there's so many people, too, that I don't think fully appreciate the fact that we have always been good at baseball. I joke with you guys, too, that um, – we play, it wasn't, our baseball program didn't start in 1985. It actually started, you know, in 1885. And we've always been good at baseball. You look at Rafael Palmero's numbers here. You're Rafael Palmero, 10,472 at-bats, 3,020 hits, 569 home runs. And you look at Buddy Myers' numbers, and you look at, you know, the years that he played. And this is a guy that went head-to-head with Babe Ruth and Roger Maris and those guys. And, he, and I've written stories about that. He was a guy that was an irritant to the New York Yankees. He absolutely despised the guy because he was such a dogged competitor. And so, again, Buddy Meyer played in 1,923 Major League Baseball games. That's insanity, man. He had 7,038 at-bats. It's crazy to think about. 1,174 runs, 2,131 hits. And here's the thing, too. Many of his contemporaries that had similar numbers are in the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. Buddy Meyer, you could make, now it's not going to happen you know, because it's, people have moved on, but Buddy Meyer has a case to be in Cooperstown. He didn't have the power numbers. He only hit 38 home runs. But this is a guy that was in his era one of the best pro baseball players in the American League. And his name is not anywhere on our stadium. It's just, you know, I think that's something. And, again, that's not being critical of anybody. I'm just kind of explaining the reality of the situation. Because I think sometimes if I don't speak up for these guys, nobody else will. And I do think John Cohen's a guy that uh, is very sympathetic and, and appreciates our history. And, you know, those are guys, too. I mean, I think about Sammy Ellis. You know, that's another guy. But, you know, Willie Mitchell, of course, uh, you know, one of the greatest pitchers of his era, too. There's a lot of names out there, and we need to recognize that. And uh, I've joked with John Cohen before. I said, John, when I get the movie deal, you know, we have the big, uh, you know, when we, one of these books turns into a major motion picture, I'm going to write a check, and we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to give you the seed money to build a baseball museum on campus. And we'll, we'll really embrace that aspect of it. You know, we'll, maybe we'll put it out there by Dirty Noble Field, and uh, you guys can come by on game day. And go by and see all the great exhibits. And, you know, maybe I'll even donate all my Mississippi State baseball memorabilia. Maybe we'll collect all that stuff up around the country. And we'll put it in there. 
that will embrace our baseball heritage. And, and that's, again, that's not to say that anybody's doing a bad job. It's not at all what I'm suggesting. But I think what we need to do is we need to find a way to get some of these guys that built a foundation on which we now enjoy the college baseball program. I believe they need to be recognized. I didn't mean to preach as long about that as I did, so I apologize if that came off a little preachy. But uh, I am very passionate about this. And, of course, I've written uh, two books now about Mississippi State history, really three, I guess, counting Dogpile. And uh, the very first chapter of Dogpile, maybe you haven't read Dogpile. And if you hadn't, I encourage you to read Dogpile. The very first chapter is called Voice from the South. And it's about every big leaguer that played at Mississippi State prior to Ron Polk. You know, the guys that went out there and poured the foundation of this wonderful college baseball program that we have. Because I didn't want those families to feel discounted. I wanted them to be recognized and say, you know what? Hey, that's my grandfather. And you know what? I heard from so many people. It's like, hey, I read Dogpile. And my grandfather's name is in Dogpile. Thank you for doing that. And I didn't do it for the accolades. I didn't do it for somebody to say thank you to me. I did it because I respect their commitment and their dedication and their contributions to Mississippi State baseball. I absolutely respect it. I know you guys do as well. And many of these people you don't even know. You don't even know these players, and that's not your fault. And uh, I'll be honest with you. That, you know, when I began writing these books, there were some – the names just jumped off the page at me, and I'm like, why have I never heard about this guy? You know, one of my most prized possessions of Mississippi State baseball memorabilia is a, uh, actually a leaflet. It's pretty crazy. It's a guy with the best baseball names in the history of the game, played at Mississippi State, a guy by the name of Rags Faircloth. Real name was James. They called him Rags Faircloth. He pitched for us. Ended up going to the bigs. Now, he's probably not a Hall of Famer, but I have a leaflet when he played for the Jackson Senators in the Cotton States League, and they won a championship. And I found it online, and I have it framed in my office. It was important to me to have that. And as I sit here and talk to you now, just to my right, there is a, a case of all of I've got a, I've got a – baseball card for every Mississippi State player that they made a card for that made the big leagues. And it all sits right here next to me because I just want to be surrounded by greatness whenever I can be. It's important to me. And so, again, I believe we should honor these guys sooner rather than later, and I hope that you'll agree. Speaking of Dogpile, if you hadn't done so, go to Dogpile the book and you can read all about those great players that helped um, lay the foundation for what we now enjoy. Go to dogpilethebook.com, get personalized, signed copies there. While you're there, you get copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And, again, we're not going to reprint Alpha Dogs and Stark Villains for probably a year or so. And when we do, it'll be a short run. So if you want to get those books, you need to make a move now. Last I heard, Stark Villains, we had less than 20 copies. Less than 20. And so if you've put that off, and I've, what's so interesting, like I'll go see people book signings like this past weekend – uh, I had a lady come in. She goes, we have Flim Flam, we have Dog Pie, we have Alpha Dogs. We don't have Stark Villains. So go ahead and complete your collection. You probably got a Bulldog fan around. You're thinking about the holiday season and say, you know what? Those guys, my, my husband or my son or my nephew or my wife or whoever loves to read and they love Mississippi State. And I've got a couple of Steve's books. Let's go ahead and fill out that collection while you can. Blooms of Oleander, of course, available through Amazon.com, also available on an e-reader. And uh, you can find it at barnesandnoble.com, booksandmegan.com, or your local bookstore. If you want to throw the business to your local bookstore, they can order it for you through Ingram. 
If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you certainly should be, go to StarkVillains.com. We've had a little run on that here as of late. And, uh, you know, it's going to be hoodie season soon. You probably need a new hoodie. Visit them at StarkVillains.com. You can pick that up in a variety of colors. If you're not a subscriber to Gene's page, I encourage you to do so. We, uh, we have uh, actually going to have change, officially the change of the guard October 1st. Uh, Gene is actually officially retired. But, uh, you know, we, we have the, you know, there's all these legalities and contracts and stuff like that. So October 1st, the first official day that um, I'm officially in charge of jeanspage.com. We have an amazing crew there, Paul Jones, uh, Robbie Falk, Mike Nemeth, Dave Murray, everybody doing a great job there. And uh, we'll add some more staff at some point. We will. Give me a few months here to kind of figure this thing out and kind of see what things are like financially. But we always want to give you value, you know, for your dollar. And uh, having access to our experts that actually go to games and go to practice, I, th- I think, is a very valuable commodity. There's a lot of people out there that want to talk about sports that don't really cover sports. They have a lot of hot takes. And I'm not just talking about people on our beat. I'm just talking about collectively. A lot of people out there watch a game on TV, and then they want you to take them seriously. Uh, we take cover Mississippi State very seriously. And uh, my hope is you'll come to jeanspage.com and be a subscriber and, and interact with our great folks over jeanspage.com. And listen, it's it's not all Pollyannish either. There's some people that, you know, they disagree. We give everybody room to be themselves within reason, you know. Uh, but that's it for today, man. Listen, we look forward to seeing you guys. And again, at 1 o'clock today, I'm going to be on the drill field at Mississippi State giving away these donated tickets for Rock Vegas. And uh, this is very important to me. I look forward to sharing this with you guys too. And we got some really cool stuff planned for Friday night. It's not just a rock show. It's a celebration. And so come out and be a part of that. If you don't have a ticket, there's not much I can do to help you. Uh, but if you do have tickets, please come out. And, again, if, if you have tickets and you can't make it, please ensure that your tickets get into the hands of somebody that will enjoy the show. Come out and have a good time with us. be a great time. The night before we, uh, we gig the Aggies. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.